This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to Double Tap, coming to you from Monday the 24th of October 2022. Coming up today, we're going to be reviewing the most recent accessibility conference in Toronto. Samuel Pru joins us from Fable to talk about that, and more generally, web accessibility in 2022. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? Uh, I've got a bit of a cold, Stephen Scott, so I'm going to sniff and snuffle my way through this. I'm going to try and hit that mute button, but I apologize in advance. Please, please aim for that mute button if you would. Um, I'm sorry. Because otherwise I'll have to do that thing they call, I believe they call it editing. And I must admit, I've never really bothered with it before. So, you know. Funnily enough, Stephen Scott, last night about 3am, I saw someone tweeting and editing at at some ridiculous time in the morning. What's the matter with you? I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to get back on the show today. I thought, oh, I can't can't wait. I'm so excited. And we've got a great interview coming up today. It really is a great interview. And not that other interviews are terrible. I should point that out. This interview is good, though, because we're talking to Samuel Prue, who is from Fable, and he is going to talk all about the Accessibility 2 conference that happened in uh, Toronto. Was it last week? Um, Yes. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was last week. And we were off last week, although we kind of snuck back in on Wednesday to do a little bit extra for you just around the Apple announcement. Yes, you can thank me later. Um, Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) So heartfelt. So, so heartfelt. Um, But yeah, so we did that and it was good. It was a really interesting conversation we had with Samuel about the event, which I didn't know much about at all. I've heard of these events. And if I'm honest, I tend to think they're a little bit like talking shops, but... You know what? We'll get Samuel's take on it today. Uh, so, yes, I was up late editing that at around three o'clock this morning. Um, and I didn't have coffee. I think I put a coffee emoji in my tweet, but I didn't mm. have coffee because I know well, that would have just been a disaster at that time of night. Well, obviously, I didn't read your tweet because any tweet that has emojis or messages, uh, I totally ignore because I'm or a grown words. adult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Any tweet sent by anyone on Twitter is not read by Sean. It's a no- point of principle. I got a notification, right? I got a notification. It said it was a, a tweet from Stephen Scott. That's all I need to know. I don't need any other information. That's more than enough. If it had said, please come, I need help. I'm stuck between a wardrobe <laughs> and a floor. Yeah, yeah. You'd have care to talk less. to someone else. Yeah. Uh, listen, Pennsylvania Greg's been in touch. He's not happy with us again. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, Greg, I don't know what to make. How can we make you happy? What can I do? What can I um, do? What can I do to make, make you, you love happy. me? PG. What's he said? What's the problem? Well, Hello, Greg. Failed. Hi, Greg. He f- Well, we failed to mention. I bet it's your fault. Oh. I bet this what is something we? you should have noticed. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. your fault. Um, we should have noticed this, but we didn't talk about the headphone jack being removed on the Surface Pro 9 when we talked about Microsoft's oh, big event. No, no. Oh, what, was that a surprise? I, um, I, I mean, I are you know. expecting headphone jacks on anything upcoming? Well, going. I, I will, I'll be honest. I kind of think laptops, we haven't really been having a conversation about headphone jack removal on laptops, have we? I mean, look, Is I don't this jump, a laptop? Well, well, that's a good question, yeah, but... And you know, good luck trying to find a headphone jack on a, an iPad. I mean, that's a, a, a fair point as well, right? So, I mean, yeah, no, if, it's I, a ta- I, if you see it as a tablet, then... But I don't think... It's, I, I'll be honest, no. I don't think a Surface Pro is a, is a tablet. It's a, it's a no. computer. Yeah, the you know what? I'll take Windows that. Is, is not, it's not tablet. Yeah, like. I'll take that back, actually, Greg. You're, 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 at, you're right. I, that should have been mentioned. Uh, I just honestly, didn't know I, at the time, I, to be perfectly honest. I just don't think it's an issue because, well, I mean... <laughs> It's USB. If if we're talking, oh, this is Bluetooth only, then yeah, let's have a conversation about it because then we're talking about lag, especially us with screen readers, right? Yeah. Talking about that lag, which becomes an issue. But yeah, plug a pair of USB headphones or a headset into it and you're absolutely fine. So yeah, I, it's not much of an issue for me as much as it is on the smartphone or, or something like that. Yeah, I I think it's less of an issue. Although I was thinking about this. I mean, I I tend to kind of get a little bit defensive around this stuff because I hear people complain and I think, you know what, just buy a USB headset, you know, or buy a USB. You can even buy, like I saw this the other day, is it Sennheiser or was it Shure? It might have been Shure, actually. We're selling a pair of really high quality earbuds. Um, They're wired and they go out to USB-C. 
And I'm thinking, well, what else do you need? Yeah. That's it. There you go. There's your problem. And then people say, oh, I've got to buy a dongle or I've got to buy... And like I said last week about the all iPad, right. you know... Don't get yeah. aggressive. No, but, but, I, but I mean, come <laughs> Leave on. Leave these people you, alone. You spend all this money on a piece of tech and then you complain because you've got to spend a few dollars on a dongle or a few extra dollars on something else. I just think the argument's false to me. I'm sorry. If you can afford to buy the unit, you can afford to buy well, a pair well, of well, headphones. Well, that's, uh, yeah, but I mean, how far do you take that? I, I don't know. Uh, the, the reason that the uh, uh, for the omission of the headphone jack is more of a discussion. Why have they got rid of it? Is it simply because you know they're phasing out that technology anyway? Headphone jacks are disappearing. Yeah. So is it a case that they're just moving on, or was there some sort of I don't know for the design internal design they had to shift it out of way? I don't know, but yeah, I don't think it's it's a huge issue. I'll be honest, I don't think it's a massive issue. I don't think they they needed to take it out. To be perfectly honest, and I will say as well, you know, look, if you're really bothered about it, if it you know if it cranks you up to the point, you know, you're at you know you're spinning level, then you know what, get the Surface Pro Eight because it's got. The headphone jack, and to be fair, there's not a huge amount of difference in the technology. You know, I, I, I mean, unless you like colours, unless you like it to be, you know, blue or red mm. or whatever colour they come in. Frankly, I would just go for the Surface Pro Eight. You might even get a deal on it now that the nine is out. Yeah, so, would you do that over the headphone jack? I mean, I, I'm I'm quite aware it's down to use case, right? If you're I don't know if you're rocking a lot of equipment and accessories that use the headphone jack, eye rigs, maybe I don't know what else. Then maybe there is a no, I don't, no, no. I, I, I think I, I still I can wouldn't see, go for an eight over a uh, you know over a nine just because of the headphone jack. I can see a lot of blind people would say no to that, and I kind of get it to some degree. I mean, I do like. I must admit, when I've I've used headphones before, usually Bluetooth ones, they're not brilliant, which is why I don't recommend them. I always recommend a USB no. wired headset or a USB headset with a dongle. Now, I will say, and this is maybe just a Mac thing, I, I'm really, I don't know what's going on with Mac at the minute, but last night I was using my, my that new Logitech MX Mechanical Mini, which is a gorgeous yeah. little keyboard. I'm using it on my MacBook Pro, and I'm using the uh, Logitech Bolt dongle that comes with it. So in my head... Yes. I'm connecting to this device, and I should get pretty much no latency. I'm editing on Audacity last night, and the time it takes for a response from me pressing the key to advance the track or advance the the playhead on the track, it was like a second. And it was making my edits way out. You know, every time I was hitting anything for a marker, it was just losing focus. Well, it wasn't losing focus, but it was just catching it too late. So, you know, you weren't getting that. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to have to go out and buy another keyboard. Oh, my God. I'm going to buy another one. But I'm going to have to buy a use. wired USB keyboard because this is ridiculous. I can't get these wonderful keyboards to connect. And by the way, people think that you can just plug these in direct. You can't. All the cable does is charge it, which yeah. is a kind of weird admi- omission, right? You think if you it plugged is. it in, it would just act as a USB keyboard then. But it doesn't. So... Yeah, bit of a nuisance. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't lag like that. I'm sorry. I mean, they make a a, a big deal about the lightning speed of those uh, receivers, so it shouldn't lag like that. That is really strange. You sure it's not just a system problem? Or Dassey playing up? Or your? Honestly, I have no idea because my other keyboard, my MX Keys, the original MX Keys that I got way back when, yeah. um, it's fine. It's absolutely mm. fine. So, you know, maybe it's a keyboard firmware thing. I don't know. I, funnily enough, there is a hardware update for it that I can't seem to get access to. So maybe that's the maybe the issues in there. Is that because of the inaccessible software? Yes. Yes. Oh, well. Well, Logitech, actually, are you listening? <laughs> not only that, uh, inaccessible software combined with um, when Ira jumps on to, to click the buttons for me, they were clicking the button and it just kept saying the keyboard wasn't able to be found, even though I was clearly connected to it. So oh. it makes no sense mm. to me. So, okay. yeah, I think I'll be a call to Logitech support at some point. Uh, listen, the Blind Mafia are always listening. I've learned this. And, um, you know, I've never been contacted by the Blind Mafia before, but I think oh. we've had words. I think, I think they've been in touch because I got a rather suspicious message the other day saying, please inform your audience that the new iPad does, in fact, have center stage. You said it doesn't. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I did say you that. did. I did. Yeah. Well, you know what? The Blind yeah. Mafia picked me up on it, and yeah, it does. It does have center stage. Do you know what? This is becoming of course it does a really, really good proposition. This is like a really cool iPad to have. 
you know, starting price, was it, $500? I mean, it's, yep. a, it's more expensive than the previous gen, which is still available if people want that. Um, but I think this is going to be the one a lot of people are going to go for. You know, I, I think that a lot of people were asking me over the, the last week about the iPad Pro. When are you buying an iPad Pro? I'm like, I don't need an iPad Pro. There's nothing about me that's Pro. So what do I need a Pro <laughs> iPad for? Um, I would certainly say I would like to have the the. I mean, I don't even know if I need the the original iPad. I kind of want to try it. I just like to see how they develop voiceover on it. But my past whoa, whoa, experiences whoa. have not been great. The original iPad. What are you talking about? Well, sorry, the, the base level iPad. That's what I mean. So, oh, right, the entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the new you know, entry so, level, the tenth generation. Yes. Well, I, I knew it. I thought it must have center stage because of the moving of the camera to landscape, making it lo- a yeah. lot better. You're right, video okay, you're calls. smart. Okay, you figured so, this out. I, 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 I thought it did. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shall we get some feedback? Because we've had a lot of comments. Oh, haven't we had enough? We're so sorry. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, we're, so, we're sorry for everything. <laughs> just um, apologise. Well, we are going to start with a friend of the show, or not, depending on how you look at it. Dean is back from New <gasps> Zealand. I uh, wants so to follow sorry. up on all these comments to his email. Um, oh, no. And uh, has a few comments more to offer. So, uh, Dean, here's his email, read for you by Laura. Hi, Stephen and Robin. Dean from New Zealand once again. <laughs> it was great to hear my email read out on your show. Before I tell you the results of you answering my questions, I think an, I'd tell you before my iPhone 14 Pro purchase, I came from an iPhone 8. And the accident of finding your former show back in March was through Apple Podcasts showing recommendations for other technology shows that I wasn't already following. Right then. Still no go with the app switcher issue. Must be a bug then. With the people detection, door-to-door detection and image detection, after going into accessible shortcuts and finding detection mode there, I selected it, then opened magnifier and the first time again had to turn all three back on. The second time in, I, for some reason, had to press the end button in order to get them going again, after then repressing detection button. So, so far so good. Hopefully this remains this way. I deeply hope your Mr F has had long stern words with Sean for the sake of the quality of your show. Keep up the otherwise good work. Dean. Right. Um... Um, I think I think the fact that that email started with hi Stephen and Robin Robin who has never hosted this show in his life um, slightly wishful thinking hello Dean thank you very much that's wishful thinking from Dean yeah <laughs> you never know it may happen God bless you Mr F um, as long as I keep saying that I think I'm all right uh, I'm I'm sorry you're still having the app switcher problem that is very strange and um, but at least you got the uh, detection sticking now so um, yeah I'm glad yeah. And just to say, right, Sean's not going anywhere. I'm sorry, Dean, but Sean is part of this, and uh, he ain't going anywhere. Sorry, I don't get me wrong; he's a complete pain in the neck. I know, but he's not going anywhere. Well done. Yes, yes, I've upgraded you. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nice, Dean. We got an email in from uh, Biggles. Love your name. And um, he has got in touch with us. Don't laugh. Don't laugh at listeners' names. That's not nice. <laughs> That's not his real name. Well, I don't know. It I could mean, be. He says it's his real okay. name. Look, you can be anything oh. you want these days. If someone wants to call themselves a penguin, they can be a penguin. All What's wrong right, with you? Biggles. Carry on. So, yes, um, Biggles has been in touch. Now, Biggles, unfortunately, uh, you had some technical issue with our uh, voicemail system, so you weren't able to get your full message across. Um but what I've done is you record, send a couple of messages, and I've just put them together basically, so that you can, uh, so we can all hear what you were saying. Unfortunately, he does get cut off at the end, but I think we get the gist of where it's going. So let's listen into oh. uh, Biggles' voicemail. Hello, this is Biggles from Ontario, Canada. Uh, just finished listening to your weekend show about uh, the MEHTA metaverse. Um, can't believe that anybody would spend that kind of money on something, especially someone that's uh, visually impaired. Um, I see absolutely no application for anybody that uh, that can't see for that particular product. Uh, the other thing is that the, these products that are getting totally um, too expensive for anybody to afford. I can't see how anybody could afford that that that, and it only solves. Uh, first world problems 
All this tech is, tech is great. It's uh, really expensive. Nobody can afford it. Um, the specialized tech is, is really, really expensive. Uh, I would never be able to afford any of the stuff that uh, was talked about in this. And uh, even iPhones, uh, Pixel phones, computers, it's all, I can't afford any of it. Uh, the only thing I can afford is an Amazon Echo. And uh, I think it's a disservice to everyone. Now, unfortunately, that's the point when Biggles gets cut off. But, you know, I think he's going on to say it's a disservice. And I'm putting words in your mouth here, Biggles, so please do call back in and tell me if I'm wrong. But I think you were going on to say it's a disservice to our community that we talk about all this expensive stuff and maybe don't lean into some of the cheaper options. Um, Again, clarify that if I'm wrong. And again, apologies. I I think there was uh, something wrong with your your system there because he had made a comment that, well, no, I'm talking (laughs) about the line here. so he had called in and he had made the comment that, you know, there's something, the, the, the line is cutting them off. Um, but I don't think it does. I think there's a, I think there's about a three-minute cutoff on it, from my understanding. So if you leave a voicemail, if it's over three minutes, but th- those were definitely not over three minutes. So um, I don't know what was going on there. So apologies, Biggles. I'm sorry you were cut off, so do call back. but um, Or email in. Email us uh, if you can. Um, but I just wanted to pick up on two points. One, uh, Mark bought the Quest Pro headset he's fully sighted so i can totally see the application for him um he's gonna have a great time and as he said himself on the show his kids are gonna love it you know it's gonna be such a great piece of kit for them and look if we weren't blind we would be buying it as well right there's no doubt no doubt at all i'd want one of these um because it just sounds so cool um but you know for blind people totally blind and i think we've got to be specific here totally blind people no you would not spend the money on this why would you? What would it give you? That you know, you may as well just buy a pair of decent headphones and enjoy spatial audio. Um, so that, I would say that's probably my my thinking there. Um, in regards to the cost of tech, you know, this is a conversation I've been having on this show, Biggles, for for years about, and this is I get pillared for this all the time. It's so funny when people attack me for talking about expensive tech when all I do is rail against expensive tech and say, "Come on, there must be a cheaper option." It was the foundation of this very show, when I started out doing a show like this, I was like, you know what? I want to talk about tech that's not expensive, that's not costing thousands of dollars, you know, that's not, you know, heavily reliant on, you know, specialist parts, the blind box. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. we're kind of getting to a stage where the, the the mainstream tech is starting to become very expensive, and especially right now when a lot of people can't afford it. But my question back to you, Biggles, is what do we do about it? Do we just not talk about this stuff? Do, do Sean and I just come on here and talk about ham sandwiches? I mean, I would be quite happy with that, but I think eventually someone, someone might think they're being shortchanged. Um, what do we do on this well, one, no, Sean? Well, I mean... Hello, Biggles, by the way. Thanks for the email. Thanks for the voicemail. I, I, it's, it's a tricky one, because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because if you're talking about Braille displays and that, it's like something I'm never, ever going to be able to afford at their current prices. And... At the same time, if uh, you know the, the if we're talking about a smart speaker, what's the entry level there? What we're we talking forty dollars or something? Yeah, I mean, how low do we go? If so, yeah, well, if someone comes along and says, "Yeah, I can't afford forty dollars," well, then where do we go from there? Yeah, I, I think you know there is a sort of reasonable price point, and you know you can pick up an Android phone for what one hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. You can uh, what's the iPhone SE now? The entry level on that maybe four hundred dollars. Look, you know, um, I might be nice about this, and I, I get, I really feel for you, Biggles, on this. But you know, at the end of the day, this is a tech show, right? If this were a car show, you wouldn't call up and say, "Well, I can only have a bike." Uh, you know, why are you not talking about bikes? Because I can only afford a bike. And be like, yeah, but it's a car show. That's what car shows do. They talk about cars, and they tend to be expensive. This is a tech show. We talk about tech. Sometimes it's expensive. I'm not saying you should go and buy everything we talk about. And we do yeah. talk about cheaper options, and we do talk do. about other things. And you, and yeah, exactly. Um, but so, you know, we're just I assuming. Just, yeah, that's what he was going to say. He may have been going on to say that it's a disservice that they charge this much for those devices. But well, possibly yeah, that, and possibly that's touch. right too. But the the prices definitely things have increased in price. There's no doubt at all about that. I mean, just look at the recent iPad announcement. You know, more expensive again. Um, yes. You know, other devices doing the same. Um, and we, we'll get into conversations, I'm sure, because there's lots of feedback around the Google Pixel 6a and the Pixel lineup in comparison to the iPhone range. 
But you know what I will say to anybody who's struggling or thinking, I can't afford this stuff. You know, remember there's a healthy second-hand or renewed or pre-loved market out there, which is not to be sniffed at. Please don't say pre-loved. Don't don't sniff it at either in fairness. Um, You don't know where it's been. But usually they're cleaned. But, you know, if you go and you buy, say, as I did, (laughs) a pre-loved... A pre-loved... I'm so sorry, Dean. (laughs) That was his fault. It wasn't me. A pre-loved iPod... Um, iPod? When I, remember my iPod? The one I bought? I even bought a computer to go with it. Um, oh, yeah. The ridiculous purchase you made. Yeah, yes. no, it was a silly yeah. idea. But, you know, for like two or three hundred dollars, I was a very happy person for about ten minutes. And, um, you know, I got this iPod, <laughs> and it, it was brilliant. I mean, considering the fact this thing's quite old, and it's clearly, you know, been around the mill, and it had a few scratches on it, it was fine. They cleaned it up well. It looked good. It worked perfectly. You know, and Amazon do this. They do renewed. In fact, sometimes when I'm looking for things now, I just add renewed to the title and it will come up with those particular options. You know, a lot of people, I saw someone the other day on Twitter talking about buying a brand new iMac. Um, and they said, well, I don't need to go down the M1 route. It's just too expensive. I'm not going to start following that. So instead, what I'll do is I'll get something renewed and they got a really good deal on an iMac that saved them something like two two and a half thousand dollars in the long run of how much they're going to spend because what they actually got was better than they imagined it was actually misquoted and instead of having like a 512 gig ssd in it it had a four terabyte drive in it so he was over the moon um (laughs) and that kind of thing can happen right so you know i think there's other ways to buy this tech i don't think it has to become a zero-sum game which i'm always wary of or let's find the cheapest nastiest option um We've, our show is about showing what you can get and showing what's out there and talking about it from our points of view. Um, we're not allowed to sell anything. So if you want to buy this stuff, fine. I don't make any money. If you buy 15 Amazon Echoes, Sean, then I get yes. nothing out of it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's fine. If I buy, you know, an iMac or a MacBook or whatever, that's me. But I don't I don't save any money on it. I don't walk into Apple and they say, oh, Stephen Scott's here. You get a discount. I wish they did. God knows I've tried no, it. But it they should do work. by now. No, it doesn't work. Well, so, can I just say as well, because a friend of ours recently bought a computer from an uh, organization that specializes in cheaper technology for visually impaired and blind people. So there are organizations out there, if there's a piece of technology you think would really help you, such as a laptop or a smartphone, then check out your local or well, look, whatever's um, in your country, your organizations. Biggles is in Ontario, right? So if anyone in Ontario is able to tell us of... Can, I mean, I think I think they call them get online at home programs, wherever wherever they are in the world. Yeah. Um, and usually, it's a it's a scheme where if you want to get a computer, then you can get access to a computer or a laptop. Uh, usually, these machines are ex business businesses donate. You know, because businesses do this, right? They buy computers in, or they lease them. They get them for three years. The computers then get taken out of service, and then they're you know sometimes given to charities. And when that happens, you tend to find you're getting a really good machine, especially business yeah. computers. Sometimes they're better than the, the consumer models. So um, you might find you get a better deal out of it. Uh, and you know, like you say, our friend who, who did this, I mean, you know, he'll have a great time with that computer. And I think it was like $300 or something. $300 specs were really nice. It's more than enough for what he needs to do with it. More than enough and for most people, know, right? Yeah. You, I mean, it's not like you have to be in work or employment to get this to be eligible either. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, look, we've got lots of feedback to go through. I want to get to it all, but we do have our conversation coming up shortly. Um, I, I just want to say, though, just on the AirPods Pro 2 front, a couple of things I've found, um, which I think you really need to check out. Uh, headphone accommodations under the accessibility settings, under audio, uh, there is an AirPods option in there, and you can go in and go into the headphone accommodations and play around with some of the settings. Check the, the balanced setting that really really enhances the audio quality like massively i when i turned really? this on it was noticeably different much brighter much bigger sound and i will say there's something they have done this time round with the spatial audio i turned spatial audio off as soon as i got the first airpods pros i just didn't like it i thought it was just it, <laughs> okay. it felt like i was inside a, i don't know some huge concert hall and it just felt yes. awkward you know the echoes were bouncing off everywhere but they've done something to it and the difference now, it, do you know what it's like? It's like listening to an old-time FM station. You know those really punchy yes. sounds that you get? Yep. You know, I came up in radio, and I used to love that, this, the punchy sound of the compression on the audio. It's really, really bringing everything to the fore, but in a good way. Uh, 
good stereo width, which I'm all about, stereo width. Um, so <laughs> for that reason, I am loving, loving the spatial audio feature now on these new AirPods Pro 2. So, you know, you've got to uh-huh. dig around in the settings for that. Uh, maybe we'll do a short demo in a couple of days, but that is a great feature I found when I was off on holiday. So nice to be able to play with some tech. I need to take time off more often and actually play <laughs> with some tech. I watched calls on Apple TV again using oh, yeah. my AirPods and uh, Dolby Atmos. Absolutely amazing. Blew my mind. It sounded so good. I, I didn't, well, did I listen to it? I think I did, but I don't think I listened to it with spatial audio. And I think that was a mistake because I think that would really benefit from yeah. it, especially oh, with no, the way that the amazing. audio is mixed on that. That's, that is a great series. I wish they would do more of that. I'd love to do more of that kind yeah. of stuff with them. Um, okay. Listen, stick around. We've got more to talk about. We're going to be discussing web accessibility in 2022 and also the recent Accessibility 2 conference that took place in Toronto with Samuel Prue from Fable. That's next. Send us your feedback to feedback at ami.ca. Leave us a voicemail at one 803 4567 You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Double Tap. Stephen and Sean with you today, and we're talking all about web accessibility in 2022, following up on the latest accessibility conference to take place in Toronto. Samuel Prue is back with us. You might have heard him recently on the show talking all about Fable Pathways. Well, he's back with us today to talk about his experience at Accessibility 2, the conference in Toronto. Samuel, good to have you back on Double Tap. Absolutely. It's only been a week. Uh, it was so great the last time that uh, I had to uh, had to come back uh, a week later, <laughs> depending on when this yeah. airs. Is that, is that because cause, cause you, you were interviewed by Sean? Uh, first off, apologies. Yes. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Steady now. And uh, now you're going to meet me, uh, which means you may never come back. So I understand this. I mean, funnily enough, we never seem to have anyone on twice after they've been on with me. I don't know why that is, Sean. I do. Anyway, right. it's good to have you back, Sam. I don't know. I, I, I got to. <laughs> I gotta collect the set. Uh, I've got to get an interview with Mark, and then I'll have all three of you, and, a, and then I can stop. Pokemon cards, yeah, it's um, brilliant. <laughs> gotta get them all. Uh, now you have been at the now. Let me get this right. Ally Two Conference or A One One Y Two Conference that took place in Toronto. Uh, the TO, by the <laughs> way, stands for Toronto. Did you know that, Sean? Yeah, I did not know that. I've heard Ali TO. Ali, I thought this was the second year or something. I, I'm totally ignorant to this. Yes, I thought it was the uh, follow-up to Ali McBeal. I was, I was all excited because I, I loved that show when it was on television. Um, but if only, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, whatever yeah. happened to Callista Flockhart? That is a serious question. Whatever happened to her? Did you not marry Harrison Ford? Uh, right, clearly I'm in the so. right room for this. Okay, um, <laughs> so let's talk about the conference. What is it, first off, Samuel? Because it's the first time I've been hearing about it, to be honest. Yeah, so it really came out of um, the kind of accessibility meetup that was going on in Toronto, uh, and that was that was really attended by um, accessibility designers and UX folks and researchers and uh, accessibility professionals, uh, and and they were kind of having this uh, monthly meetup in Toronto, um, founded by uh, some some of the folks uh, in the industry here, uh, and of course, as things do, they slowly grow, and it grew from a meetup to a Yearly conference to now they also have uh, their uh, A11Y camp uh, that they do here and it's it's really one of the uh, kind of key go to accessibility conferences that that are attended by you know the the professionals in the space. Um, uh, whether that be UX folks, researchers, designers, uh, you know, coders, anybody who kind of has uh, an interest in doing uh, accessibility, it's certainly I'm I'm almost certain uh, the largest uh, of its kind in Canada. But of course, there were uh, attendees from across uh, North America, uh, all of the kind of uh, big companies. It was actually uh, this year took place in the new uh, Microsoft offices uh, in downtown Toronto. Uh, they've got uh, a couple of uh, lovely enormous floors uh in the uh cibc building and so they uh they hosted the conference there uh so of course there were a great many microsoft folks and there were uh, spotify and cibc and cbc and uh all of the kind of uh you know big companies that you would uh expect uh as well as of course companies in the space like fable and dq and uh um all, all of us and it was really just a time to 
take in some really great presentations and talks uh, on accessibility, as well as I think the first time that a lot of folks in the industry have had to network in person since sort of before COVID, right? Because uh, everything moved online for a while and online is great. It's it's inclusive and this was a, a hybrid event, but there's still something to be said for getting in the room with folks who are doing accessibility uh, and, and, you know, having, having a dinner, having a social, having a drink together, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's really important isn't it that, that that coming together that that conversation that is mm-hmm. happening and, and do you feel that this is a a conference where things actually happen you know that there are outcomes as a result of this I mean, it's not a talking shop is it i mean it's an actual place where people come with suggestions ideas and, and even some of those get implemented mm-hmm. right yeah, so the thing that really happens is a lot of exchange of ideas and expertise and learnings that take place that everybody takes back to their to their organizations, right? It's not like a, a tech conference conference like where where you're going to announce a new product necessarily, right? Um, and and I think the other interesting thing about it is that it is a conference targeted very specifically at accessibility professionals rather than people with disabilities. Um, you know, so it's not kind of like the ACB or NFB conferences that, that we have in the summer or, or even necessarily particularly like, like CSUN. But the reason that I think it's, it's so important to talk about, uh, and I'm, I'm so glad to be talking, uh, about it here today is because I think it's good to have conferences and networking events targeted at at both sides, right? You have the ones for folks with disabilities and you have the ones for folks kind of in the accessibility industry. But sometimes it feels like there's not quite enough crossover, right? Um, It can be really good for those of us who are just people with disabilities out in the world who aren't necessarily doing accessibility to get exposed to, like, how do these teams work? And how does accessibility actually happen? And and what is the the bread and butter of of this thing? Um, For example, there was a great talk from uh, uh, David Dame at Microsoft, uh, which was called... um, Stakeholders agree that accessibility is important, but won't necessarily invest in it. Uh, and so it was just like a, a whole talk about that challenge, looking at his own experience in the industry, working at Microsoft as a person uh, with a disability, and and really talking about the different ways to communicate the importance of accessibility to important key stakeholders in ways that they won't just say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's important, and then not do anything about it, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, just giving it mouth service, really. It, it sounds really good. Exactly. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like a bit of an accel- accessibility geek fest, right? Um, because you, <laughs> oh, you're coming absolutely. in. Um, having uh, great conversations about, I don't know, ARIA labels or or, or whatever. But I, I do, 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 do you not get excited about ARIA labels? I That's I, all I think I about. I don't know if I'm <laughs> saying that right either. I mean, there was but, a, a whole talk by... Uh, uh, by Sarah Higley called Date Pickers and Dialogues, uh, oh, which, of course, Date Pickers and Dialogues tend to t- tend to be, can be shortened as D&D. So she did a whole sort of Dungeons & Dragons themed uh, <laughs> session around Date Pickers and Dialogues. So I don't think you can get any more uh, accessibility geekery than, than that, really. Um, but that's that's really important, isn't it? And, and actually, you know, I'm hmm. so glad that Dave Dame did that talk. I'd love to hear that. And I'm assuming, like like last year... And I think previous years they have published a lot of the talks on YouTube, so people can go back and watch them. Yeah, if they and want I believe to. they'll be doing that again this year. Well, that's good because yeah. I really want to hear that talk from Dave Dame, in particular because I think one of the challenges a lot of people face. You know, we see a lot of this online. We see a lot of people who love to talk about an app or a website that isn't accessible, and they say it's not accessible. Fix it, and then I imagine mm. a developer sitting there going, "What does that mean? What do you mean, fix it? Do what with it?" You know, a lot of these people mm-hmm. are not exposed to accessibility at all, as Dave picks up on in this talk. They're not exposed to it. They don't think about it. And, you know, they may even have heard of it, but they don't really know how to implement it. So, you know, the fact that there's an honest conversation happening about the the reality of a developer on the ground and what they could do if they had the knowledge, I, I think is really important. Yeah, um, absolutely. And training was a uh, a, a theme um it, throughout the 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 conference the importance of getting more teams and more designers trained was kind of i think one of the two two key themes that happened um 
there was actually a a talk uh, by by Johnny James that was literally called um, "You Can't Teach Giving a Shit," um, which was sort of uh, about that, about how a lot of these coding boot camps uh, and all of these things aren't covering accessibility, right? And if you go to a boot camp or a computer science uh, program and get a degree, you're not learning about accessibility. You're not hearing about accessibility, um, and so sort of talking a little bit about about how to change that. But I think the other key takeaway for folks in accessibility or, or for folks who are, are people with disabilities who aren't in accessibility, who aren't sort of in this industry, is that the progress that we have made, I think, in in the last several years with kind of the Ontarians with Disabilities Act and Barrier-Free Canada and the ADA, and I know there are similar things in Europe, is that most large multinational corporations now are going to have, at the very least, a person responsible for accessibility and probably a team responsible for accessibility. The problem is, is that person being resourced in the way they need to be, right? Is the team getting the, the timelines and the resource and the access that they need throughout the organization to make accessibility happen? Uh, in some companies, uh, obviously, Yes, and in others, not so much. But I think what that comes down to for us as people with disabilities is we need to seek out these people who really do care, who really do want to fix the problems, who are working inside these giant organizations, and figure out how we can collaborate with them in order to make real change, as opposed to just like yelling on Twitter, right? Well, quite. Uh, but, you know, and I know the theme came up of continuous accessibility, and I, I haven't heard the talk. You might have heard that one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to guess it's about not just, you know, doing it for Global Accessibility Awareness Day, then forget about it on the next release, and suddenly the app is broken. And, you know, how many examples can we think of mm -hmm. where an application is broken? I mean, Sean, we, we can call them out. Amazon is a classic example of this, where, you know, yep. application, the Amazon app, the Amazon Prime app, um, yeah. you know, they, Amazon Music, Amazon Music, they just they just suddenly stop working, or they, they you know one thing gets updated and it knocks mm -hmm. accessibility off. It is so important that the accessibility team, you know, are integral to the whole operation, and I think that's often the problem. And we've talked about this with exactly. Apple as well. And I, I'd be interested in your take on this. And I, I'm not wanting to pin people down, but we have to be honest, and we have to say, look, there are problems. I mean, I'm a Mac user. I know using the the Mac, for me, used to be a really pleasant experience with voiceover. I find it more of a challenge these days than it's ever been because of the the endless challenges with voiceover and the endless issues. And it feels to me like there's a very small team of people at Apple working very hard mm -hmm. to try and keep up with the endless updates that come mm -hmm. from the teams above them, right? It's not that they're not interested. I really, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not into this idea that they're not interested in it. I think they yeah. absolutely are. I just think, I don't think, like you say, I don't think they're resourced enough. And that's a problem across yeah. the industry. Yeah. And, you know, um, maybe not surprisingly, in the first conference that we had after COVID, the other theme that came up, I think, in three or four different talks was around burnout. Um, and I think that is also what we are starting to uh, maybe need to think about in the accessibility industry because if if you are an accessibility professional in a company, you're a tiny team, and you're trying to sort of constantly put out the fires, you are eventually, you know, even the most brilliant minds are are going to burn out, um, and so I think the the kind of problems that we're having are not just problems for us as as people with disabilities in that we want our stuff to be more sustainable but it also the people doing it need more resources and because so that it's sustainable for them you know yeah absolutely and we've we've spoken to people ourselves Stephen. i know that that said you know that they're, they're part of an accessibility team in a company and they say themselves you know oh obviously you know we're we're sort of last in the chain sometimes and it's yeah. still feels yeah. weird to hear that mm -hmm. you know we we think we've made so much progress and we have as you said you know with with things mm -hmm. like the um uh, Americans with disabilities and the other legislation that we've had we have made great strides and accessibility is known about at least i remember ringing companies you know a few years ago and not they don't have a clue what i was talking about when i was talking about accessibility mm -hmm. and that's 
yeah, that's less of the case now. It's still not great, but you know, accessibility is more known. Although, still- can, can I just say, I, I think that there is a little bit of a broad definition of accessibility sometimes. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes everything can be related to accessibility. Uh, you know, you could you could point to anything, and I, I'm. I try not to do this, but I have done it on shows where I've said, well, you know, it's accessible because you can do this, that, or the next thing. But, you know, just because, say, for example, uh, it has a uh, a remote control that you can therefore talk to the device and, you know, get feedback, or, you know, say to a smart TV or something, that doesn't make it accessible. That means that you can talk to it and it will do something. Accessible for me. But is it accessible in the sense of, do I actually know what it's doing? Um, yeah. You know, a, a good mm-hmm. example of that is in the UK where our TV system here, uh, you can talk to it, but it doesn't respond. So it just it might do something, but it won't tell you it's done it. And you suddenly you've been think, screaming at the TV What's again, Stephen. Well, I do regularly, <laughs> yes, but I, I try to keep away from CNN. Um, but but I I think that's also a symptom of when we say accessible, we tend to say, oh, we want to make our products accessible, but like that's not a full sentence necessarily. Like accessible to whom? Right? Yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes if you are a new company or or you are newer to the accessibility journey, what can happen is you say, I want to make all my products accessible and you haven't defined it. So you're trying to do everything all at once and you either don't do the best job or you burn out, right? I would rather see a company say, okay, we want to start by making our products accessible to low vision people who use magnification. And then once we've done that, we're going to expand and make it accessible with screen readers. And then once we've done that, we're going to expand because then it it lets people kind of systematize and process accessibility because... But but in this um, world, like what you were saying, accessibility is not a one-off, right? Can that really happen in today's world where, you know, instant reaction to everything is you know, DEFCON, whatever the bad one is. And, you know, that, that is the constant reaction to everything. So if you if you come out as a, as a product owner, say, uh, or a product creator, and you say, we're going to make this available to low vision people and we're working on accessibility, you're going to hear people, namely Sean Priest, say things like, well, what about Hello. me? I use a screen reader. And I, uh, this is not accessible to me. And, you know, Correct. he's right. But equally... You know, like you say, you want it to be done properly and you want to make sure that every group is is able to be, uh, you know, able to access the product, but then people are being left behind in amongst all that. So how do you square that circle? I I think we have seen it uh, happen in, in a lot of cases. I think we're seeing it uh, happening in, in the gaming industry uh, is, is a great example, right? Where we are seeing more and more accessibility options uh, being put into games, and they are not necessarily accessible to me and Sean, but uh, or to me and uh, yeah, to me and Sean rather. But but every game that creates a process to make sure that it's playable for you, Stephen, the next edition of that game is probably going to do more because they have a process, they have a system, they have a team, they have a way to measure the outcomes. Right? If you're thinking big corporations, this is what they need. They can't just like do accessibility one time and then not think about it for five years because that's how we get regressions, right? And what Mm. we need to be encouraging companies to do is make processes that are repeatable and scalable and expandable and that are now just part of like the corporate DNA. And that's, I think, how accessibility will not only happen, but how apps will continue to be accessible in update to version 5.6, you know? Can I can I also ask? I I wonder what your take is on um, allowances for errors as a community, mm. as a disabled community. I think you know we're we're right to get annoyed when something doesn't work. But you know, a good example of what you're talking about there is Microsoft, a company that's really built accessibility into its DNA. Arguably, so has Apple. Mm-hmm. Arguably, so has Google. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, so has Amazon. Um, but there are errors along the way. How forgiving? Should we be to those errors? Uh, should we be forgiving to them, or should we should we just complain all the time? I mean, I, you know, because, because because I, the mistakes will happen. Is my point. I think the thing that I think about when I am encountering errors, or when I'm talking to companies who have errors, is what is the process again for responding to this? Right when Microsoft makes an error there is at least the disability answer desk that you can call 
and you can talk to somebody and you can get them to send their the bug over to the right place to get looked at and thought about and fixed. And I think I am more forgiving of that than when a company makes an accessibility error and I call their support staff and they say a screen, a screen, what blind people can, can computer what, how, because I know I'm never going to get the information about the error over to the people who can fix it. And so it's very frustrating. And, and I think we've got to be maybe less allowing of that because yeah, you're going to make an error. No company is perfect. Accessibility is a journey. And so in the corporate world, we need to be thinking about how do we find out about the errors that we've made? How do we measure our success when it comes to accessibility, right? And companies like um, Microsoft and Apple, I think, have done a pretty good job of doing that, which I think is why we as a community are also more forgiving of their errors. I think you're absolutely right. It's all about the feedback, the interaction that you get from a developer or a company. We, I think we're very patient as a whole. Um, you know, we understand that this, this can take time. Uh, and it's all yeah. about if you feel like you're being listened to and, and you're getting a response back. It, 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 and that's not just for accessibility. That's anything, any aspect, right? But like, how can you be patient if you're talking to a company and you can't log in because of an accessibility error and they just, you can't, the support people yes, have never heard of a screen reader, right? How, yes, how can you be patient? True. Now you, you, you're, you're, you're only, the only thing you can do now is, is wail on Twitter, right? Like what other option have they left yes. you? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's a really interesting point. And I have to say, you know, I, I, this is why I love these conversations because it kind of opens up our mind to these things. I love that. You know that that you're thinking about how the company responds to the problem. So you know that that's something I think a lot of companies could take away from that. You sound like you've been really energized by this conference, and I can kind of see why. It, it sounds like it's it was a great place to be. Oh, it was, and uh, you know, so many take takeaways. Not only for me as someone who works in the industry, uh, but I think when we're also hanging out with accessibility professionals, we get ideas about how things could be better and should be better in ways that I might not necessarily think of on my own because I'm so used to things that are not great, right? Uh, or I think, oh, I have so many other problems that I'm not gonna not gonna think about uh, about this. Um, and an example of what I'm talking about is um, there was a, a great talk on um, uh, kind of creating like accessible content and how to you know write more accessible things then i thought oh well i mean i guess that's important it's going to be about language it's going to be about all these things that maybe you know might not have as much of an, an impact on us but one of the things that was brought up in the talk is how it is so important to do what they call front loading and so what that is is put the action before the uh the the thing that you're trying to do. So for example, some websites will will say like call 1-800-555-5555 to register for our event. Well, now you have to backtrack to find that number because you're like, "Oh, yeah, I did want to register. Now I have to go back." And so the point is that you should always say like to register for an event, call and then the number because you you then know when you're hearing this number, "Oh, I know what this is for. I know whether I want this or not." And it's just like a simple little change that I'm like, yeah, that would be better. But like, it's not something that I would ever think about, you know? That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, How many that's times really do we good. Get to the, because you, you know, you can jump to the end of the line on the, um, you know, on a screen reader or whatever. And I imagine for people who, you know, have yeah. reading difficulties like dyslexia, for example, um, that could be really useful as well because it mm -hmm. kind of helps, you know, move the eye to where it needs to be. Right. Um, it just sounds really interesting. And I think these yeah, kind of exactly. top tips really help. I mean, the, the one that got me years ago was, was camel case, uh, when you're dealing with hashtags mm. and, you know, I, I remember when I first started using a screen reader, probably, you know, properly in 2017, I remember being told by someone, Oh, by the way, when you're putting a hashtag in, capitalize each word independently so that the screen reader will read it all as one. And that was just such an amazing little hint for me. I did not know. And I was telling other friends of mine who were blind, I'm like, have you heard of this thing called camel case? And they're like, I've never heard of that. And, you know, and, and I think there's also this sense, yeah. and I think that's that this is the, the, the coming together thing, right? Is that we don't all know everything. Yeah. And this idea mm -hmm. that one person says, oh, well, this is accessible, it's not accessible. Yeah, but 
you know, not everybody knows what that is, including the people who maybe need the support. So, you know, we can be mm-hmm. really good advocates for ourselves, but we can also really get in our own way sometimes. I think it's about a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it's about being decent with each other. It's about having a chat. You're right, yeah. though, when you say sometimes you have the chat, if you're not getting the support, you're not getting the reaction, and there just doesn't seem to be any understanding about accessibility, it does question whether or not you want to be loyal to that company and use their products. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think what we also tend to fall into as a community sometimes is just assuming that, oh, this way works, so this is the accessible way to do it, mm. when like there could be a better way, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I tend to be like that. Like, it, it's that front-loading thing. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be better. But, like, I never would have thought about it because I'm just used to the way things are. And I think we sometimes say, oh, well, if it works, that means it's accessible. And so we can now stop thinking about this interaction because it works now, right? Even even though there are ways that it could work better, I think sometimes in our community we tend to we tend to settle sometimes. Oh, we do. Oh, we do, don't we? We, we really do. And, and, sometimes, and yes. sometimes, in fairness, we do it because we just have to get the job done. You know, we can't all be spending our lives advocating for the disabled community. We don't all have, we, we've got, you know, bills to pay. We've got to feed our families. We've got yeah. to make money. We've got to do what we need to do. So sometimes it's just about getting the job done. And you just accept it. Um, you know, like Microsoft Teams, we just accept it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so... <laughs> wow, if, sorry, Microsoft. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> I love to kid Microsoft. Uh, but listen, uh, if you want to uh, find out more about the conference, which I encourage people to do, a11yto.com is where you'll find the information. You can also go on YouTube and search for that, and uh, you'll be able to catch the videos when they're uploaded. Uh, Samuel, it's been brilliant having you on. I'm so glad you came back on. And you know what? You've, you've got to come back, because this conversation's not over. There's so much we could talk about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to get you back on to talk more. So so please, so will you come back? Now you've met me. Will you come back? Oh, absolutely. Um, I go to <laughs> these kind of conferences and events pretty frequently, so I'm always happy to come back and, and talk about them and the conversations that they're springing uh, in, into my mind. Yeah, just some really interesting learning going on. Thank you so much for sharing it, uh, Samuel. Really appreciate uh, you uh, talking to us about the A11Y2 conference in Toronto. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Really interesting show today. Uh, Thank you to Samuel for coming on. Remember to keep in touch with us. You can always email, you can leave us a voicemail, or you can find us on Twitter. We're at Double Tap On Air. Catch you tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. The Walrus is Canada's conversation and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.